The Rufus Project would like to advise the following podcast contains spoilers for Rhinestone from 1984. If you do not wish to have this movie spoilt, please watch it before listening to the following podcast. Is it a glittery musical gem or just a cheap, tacky lump? We watched Rhinestone from 1984 to see if we could redeem it. Were we successful? Find out after the theme. So that it's good, what's this movie do you think we should? Got bad, I love dodgy creatures, but we want to know what the redeeming features. Hello and welcome to the Rufus Project, this time looking at Rhinestone from 1984. I am one of your hosts, Trevor Holland, and I am joined by my good friend and co-host... Christian Fletcher. Thank you so much, Trevor. It's a pleasure to be back, and... I never thought I'd be hearing you introduce the movie Rhinestone or even saying that on the podcast, so it's a bit of a different um, different start this time around. Well, yeah, I mean, certainly, to be perfectly honest, this never would have crossed my mind, <laughs> even though I think in some ways it's an ideal candidate for the podcast, so... I think this is what this was good that we have the two of us, different tastes, different knowledge. We can have stuff like Rhinestone. Well, yeah, and I, and I do read a lot of books about box office bombs and, and so-called bad movies, and yeah, this one has come up quite a lot, so I, I thought it was very fitting to include it at some stage. Absolutely. So uh, if anyone out there hasn't seen Rhinestone, I've got a little synopsis here. A country music star must turn an obnoxious New York cabbie into a singer in order to win a bet. <laughs> oh, doesn't it sound like Pygmalion or My Fair Lady all over again? A plot that's probably been done to death in cinema history. Mm-hmm. But normally normally it's the other way around. It's the guy teaching the girl. In this case, it's Dolly Parton teaching Sylvester Stallone how to be a country music singer. Oh, I think that shows already the strength of Dolly Parton as an actress and a performer. I think she's <laughs> very ballsy and, and can stand on her own. And I think, um, yeah, and I think... Look, I'm not knowing too much trivia about this film, but I think, yeah, this was about uh, two years or, or four years after 9 to 5 when she'd you know made her first movie. So, you know, it was good that she was playing these quite um, strong characters. No one was going to knock Dolly around. <laughs> very, very true. And, and certainly, uh, yeah, we'll get to that. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But first up, before we get to... I suppose, uh, what happens to Dolly in this movie, that sounds odd, uh, we, we need to cover a few things. Now, uh, I had a look at the awards for this movie, and I, I don't think there's going to be any surprise as to the type of awards that it was nominated for and, and won. Uh, it was nominated for Worst Picture, Worst Supporting Actor, Worst Director, Worst Screenplay, Worst Original Song for Sweet Love and Friends and Worst Musical Score at the Razzies. <laughs> it was nominated for Worst Picture at the Stinker Awards, uh, but it did win the Worst Actor for Sylvester Stallone and the Worst Original Song for Drinkenstein at the <laughs> Razzies. And it ended up being nominated for Worst Musical of Our First 25 Years at the Razzie Awards in 2005. So even though they're not necessarily good awards, it still sweeped the award pool in some respect, didn't it? It, Wow. It it, it represented. (laughs) So yeah, I think definitely another reason why it's crazy that we we haven't done this movie up till now. So it sounds like perfect fodder. But, you know, I think going in, just looking at the cast list of Sylvester Stallone next to Dolly Parton, I I think it's, it's bizarre from the outset. It certainly is, and I think there's a few other, you know, I mean, I don't think they're, they're well-known names now, but you've got the likes like uh, Rob Lee- Ron Liebman, I think he was quite well-known. Um, I, mean, I know certainly he looked very, very familiar, um, and there were a number of, like, familiar faces who I don't think we've seen for quite some time mm. um, tucked away in, in this movie. <laughs> hey, maybe, they, maybe they were doing that on purpose, tucking themselves away. They knew what the, the outcome of the film was going to be, perhaps. <laughs> 
Who knows? So, uh, well, we'll move on to our, our turkey trivia. So, first up, we'll talk a little turkey. Or should I say, talk a little turkey about this one. <laughs> I was waiting for a gobble-gobble, but I was impressed, Trevor. <laughs> there you go. I can do a country twang if I have to. I tend not to, but I can. So, uh, this is rated 3.7 out of 10 on IMDb. It had a budget of $28 million, and it took a whopping $21.4 million at the box office. Well, not too bad, considering its reputation, but I, I still would love to know where that $28 million went, probably with the two leads. Because <laughs> a lot of times I measure films by, you know, what kind of things you're seeing in them that are sort of warranting that amount. But um, yeah, I think in this case it was the talent, or lack of, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it was the animal trainer. Oh, <laughs> Uh, yes, of course. Mm. Yeah, it's okay. We'll get to that. <laughs> yeah, I know. Sorry, I'm like, mm, must not say too much yet. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, talking a bit of trivia. Uh, now, Sylvester Stallone turned down the male leads in Romancing the Stone and Beverly Hills Cop in order to make this film. Interesting, because, you know, considering Beverly Hills Cop ended up being, I think, three films in total, that could have been a, a good career move for him. But, I don't know, I think fresh off, I don't know what sort of rocky number he'd just finished doing, but maybe it was looking for a total change of scene. Yeah, I'm, I'm not too sure. I mean, um, he had sung previously once um, to this movie, and uh, that was for the song Paradise Alley in 1978, where he sung the title song. Oh, I've got okay. no idea what that's like. <laughs> uh, if, if I do find it and it's suitably appalling, I may put it at the end of the podcast <laughs> uh, as one of those little things that we never talk about, the little stingers I like to put in there. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so maybe he, he wanted to uh, – maybe he, he did enjoy that, that, that one um, – song and wanted to get back to it who knows well, well you know I was, I, was, I was really surprised to see his um name in the, in the credits as half writing co-writing the screenplay so you know he must have had a lot more interest in the in the project than just coming on board as lead actor I, i'd assume so i don't yeah. but then you, one sort of gets the feel it was sort of a dolly very much created as a dolly parton vehicle and, and perhaps he was the afterthought i don't know well, funny you mentioned uh, <laughs> the screenwriting there. <laughs> yes, because the uh, the original the original screenwriter Phil Alden Robinson was so upset by Sylvester Stallone's extensive changes to the original screenplay that he briefly considered having his name removed. He was convinced that having his name on a film of this caliber would look good on his resume. <laughs> Oh boy! Oh, he's wishing that didn't happen now, but um, but yeah. So well, he's got his name on there. Oh, you wonder how much many of his ideas actually came through, but probably the the most of them. <laughs> I I have no idea, but considering that Sylvester Stallone um, did make so many changes, it makes you wonder why later in an interview, uh, Sylvester Stallone once said that if there are any films he wish he hadn't done, this film was one of them. You pretty much wrote it, dude. So <laughs> I don't think you get to say that. Oh, gosh. Even more reason why we should be watching this. <laughs> <laughs> to yeah. see if it is the train wreck everyone says, but um, absolutely. But, but not knowing much about the um, the Glenn Campbell song "Rhinestone Cowboy," I was surprised to actually see based on the based on the song "Rhinestone Cowboy." Like I can't remember the lyrics, but um, yeah, I'm assuming it follows the same kind of plot thing. Not not a, not <laughs> more like someone is to become a cowboy, not necessarily um, Dolly Parton making you one. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there is a reference that, yes, based on Rhinestone Cowboy, uh, but to be honest, I wasn't really prepared to do the research on that side of it. Woo! Hence my, hence my reason for asking you, because I did the same. Fair enough. Now, I, I do think Sylvester Stallone should own this movie, though. It was quite, uh, it, it got him quite an honour, uh, since this is a film that first earned him one of his many Razzie Award nominations. I didn't realise he would have had so many, but um, the more I think about it, yeah, he would. <laughs> so this started them all, all off. Yeah, I think you should definitely own your first Razzie. If by any chance I got a chance to be in a movie and I got a Razzie, I I would own that. <laughs> hey, especially when he half wrote the screenplay, he's kind of you know it's pretty responsible. <laughs> he's yeah, turning yeah. up to claim it. But um, I was surprised. I'm like, I oh, was it. Um, Drinkenstein was the song. I can understand why that um won the Razzie as well for um worst song. But um, I'm assuming Dolly Parton wrote that as well because it seemed to say that she pretty much wrote all the 
music and lyrics, I believe. Yeah, yeah, she certainly did write uh, all the music um, and and um, and lyrics. Um, there was actually a couple of songs that were basically songs that she had released in previous movies uh, where she just changed the lyrics. <laughs> it's a lot easier um, that way. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, she still scored a couple of hits from this movie, though, so she didn't do too badly. Yeah, exactly. So, but yes, so that's... I don't have any other trivia. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm all out. So I guess it's time <laughs> to set our baseline. So uh, here at the Rufus Project, we do have an aim of trying to reduce movies with uh, less than stellar uh, reputations or box office bombs um, but we do need to set our baseline to see what we are working from so I've dug up a review the title of the review may be enough but I will read it the title is Just Dreadful I admit that I've never been a Sylvester Stallone fan, no not even the first Rocky, no one ever accused Stallone of being able to act but at least with most of his films, you know what you're in for when you buy your ticket. After this ludicrous film, no one will ever accuse him of being able to sing either. A mind-numbingly horrible film, one sits and watches mesmerised by its sheer awfulness. Surprisingly, however, Stallone does not come off the worst thing in the film. That honour goes to Ron Liebman. A comedy needs a clever script and a director and actors with a sense of comic timing. This mess has none of these. At least with Stallone's so-called action films, there is noise and things blowing up to divert you from the mediocrity. Rhinestone just has itself. One star. <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay, that's that. it can only go up or sideways from here. But, but just want you to cu- to clarify that Rob Lehman, is he the, the guy that played, um, is it Freddy? Uh, Freddie Hugo with the hilarious initials of F.U. Yes, I know that they managed to mm. bring up, I think, even use visually and even say later in the movie. So I, I wasn't, it wasn't just me that picked that up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, considering he had his initials on the door of his apartment, that really, they, they were not being subtle uh, with the fact that they, they gave him that name for those initials. <laughs> At least I now know who you mean. But yes, his his comic timing was not impeccable. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, an hour and 51 minutes of people with not quite good comic timing. I, I must admit that when this was first starting, I was a bit curious as to um, if it would feel like an hour and 51 minute movie. Uh, or otherwise, so, oh, but it's still under two hours, Christian. You know, it's I've getting there. That. I've still got to get you back for. I think it was was the Superman Dawn of Justice, the three hour one. So you know, oh, I've yes, still got yes. a few a few points on my side. But I must admit, I, I kind of went in with trepidation. Like it's it's nice seeing the Fox logo, <laughs> um, but then yeah, stra- but yeah. as soon as we went straight into the shots of. Um, you know, of New York City into pretty much, I thought, okay, cool, obviously you've got a Dolly Parton tune, but she pretty much started yodeling from the start and I'm, I, I literally thought, oh no, what have I got myself in for? What have I got Trevor in for? Yeah, I mean, it starts with a shot of the Statue of Liberty and with that yodeling, I just thought there was absolutely no doubt that this is 100% good old homeboy American <laughs> and uh, very much about country music, and both not- kinds, country and western. <laughs> Oh, oh, there was a few times that the Blues Brothers came up in my in my mind. Actually, <laughs> we'll get to that. But um, and one thing that's really um, I don't know if it's a clever thing about Dolly is she definitely gives the, the plot away and the lyrics. Well, that's what I was thinking going in. She's saying about you know being a country girl in New York City, which is which is what she is, you know. But uh, it made me think, okay, maybe the plot of this film is going to be you know her being a fish out of water in in a big city. But it, obviously, we find out it's the other way around. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we eventually do after those uh, super sparkly titles. <laughs> in 1984, it was probably a bit too much. Especially, I think I even heard them make reference a couple of times to disco, and I'm like, ooh, not in 1984. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, I mean, because I, I knew it was based on the, the song Rhinestone Cowboy, but I'm thinking, okay, so so why is this Rhinestone? Oh, oh. It's the name of the bar. That's <laughs> <course>. handy. <laughs> and, and very appropriate when you can have as many flashy neon lights as you can have on the outside. But but as we find out later when we go back to her hometown where they kind of do it right, it kind of does remind me of when when another sort of culture takes on board another culture and says, oh, this is what it would be like. I don't know. They, they, they had a very interesting version of a country and western bar in New York City. 
Oh, they did, especially when we we do see the owner, uh, good old Freddy Hugo, uh, roll up in his limousine and he comes out and thinking, what, what is he wearing? It's like this white suit with this overcoat with just like giant shoulder pads. I'm thinking, okay, I know this is the 80s, but those shoulder pads are even enormous for the 80s. Like, okay. <laughs> People that remember that, let that sink in. Okay, these were rem- remarkably large, even for the time when this movie was made. Oh, it's it's like they had to go everything to excess, and it's like yeah, it's like someone didn't send them a memo that it wasn't 1978 anymore. <laughs> it's it's quite strange, and it's funny because you've got Dolly as being such an authentic country girl from Tennessee. You'd think she would kind of revolt about having to perform at a place like this that was almost tacky. <laughs> well, we we do we do find out why she's performing there a bit later on but uh we we have to put up with an awful lot of uh of that owner um doing stuff shall we say that would certainly earn him um reference in a me too hashtag today from pretty much the entire female staff and dolly parton yeah it yeah. was sleazy in the extreme and just uh, going it's just it's not funny anymore it may have been once upon a time but that is not what i want to see and he's just so crazy while he uh, does it too i know he's meant to oh i know uh, he just does it too well is that a Valid criticism. Yeah, I think it is, and I think it does sort of show why. Yeah, I I think he would have been trying to be the comic relief with the character, but it just falls flat and just comes off creepy, you know. But as you said, you know, in 1984, it could have been seen as quite uh, funny. Not actually, not funny at all. But I I just sort of felt that he was (laughs) almost in a totally different movie. (laughs) I don't know. He thought he was in some sort of disco piece, but um, yeah. But and the fact that he'd kept following Dolly, and it was always references to you know eventually having sex with her and stuff, and and it was even kind of stuff that I even felt like. Hey, Dolly, you shouldn't have even put up with this as, as a rebuttal, uh, you know, as, as an actress having to perform these lines. I don't know. But um, she's always good with her one-liners, but even then she started to sort of... She ran out of um, one-liners for Freddie because she had to say it so many times to him. Pretty much. It's only so many times where you can just basically say variations of, you're no good piece of trash. Uh, and... And anything else that she there's, said. <laughs> there's just basically no way you can go after you've said that in about five different ways. Uh, but one thing I did notice, like, at, at the start, because it, it pretty much starts with Dolly doing a show in this bar and the crowd going wild, and she mentions about uh, a talent show coming up. And I, I thought, okay, that's a plot line. They're going to get Sylvester Stallone in for this talent show. But aside from bringing out one guy that the owner brought on specifically to to be the next big country thing, who, of course, falls flat in his face and everyone finds him hilarious. Mm. Like, there's no actual talent show that ever shows up in this bar. And and for it to be just flagged like that, I just went, hang on, hang on. What's... There's no talent show? Yeah. Is there any, any point mentioning this talent show? Oh, Why it... is there a talent show? <laughs> And especially, too, when you're used to an actual show where you've got a whole heap of people coming up and performing, whereas it just seems like they've just picked a different person every night that they've found and to fill the place out. And, and they all seem to be pretty darn bad. But, yeah, it was it was then that I started to realise, okay, it's all about possibly what they're going to do with Sylvester Stallone and, and make him into something. And, and yeah, the, the, the whole um, talent quest became an afterthought. Yeah, maybe that was part of the original plot because that would have made some sort of sense. Uh but yeah, uh, but no, no, we 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 go, um, I suppose, from that, and uh, I, I, do we find out? And I think we find out later that um, that that uh, Felix is it was it Felix? Yeah, Felix Hugo. Um, oh, Freddie holds. Yep. You're oh, Freddie Hugo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, holds uh, Dolly Parton's contract for like three years or something yeah it doesn't really make a lot of sense and i'm, I'm pretty sure that it yeah because that's right because the the record producer comes down to see his big new talent and uh, starts talking to dolly and he just goes nope i've got her contract you can't take her and it's like uh, okay fair enough there's that plot line established yeah exactly and, and the whole fact that it pretty much comes down to the fact that if 
yeah, if if she wins the bet by changing somebody in two weeks into a rhinestone cowboy, she'll get you know get won't we'll get have a contract torn up, and his pretty much end of the deal is he gets to sleep with her, and already you're just going, ah, oh, okay. Oh, well, gets to sleep with her and gets to extend her contract for another five years. <laughs> and then we, and what does Sylvester get? Oh, our taxi cab, which we find out later is kind of lost all complete interest in. But yeah. Um, because yeah, we first meet because it kind of goes yeah, it's, the scene's kind of broken up with we've got shots of we we meet. Sylvester Stallone is a very bad taxi driver, and, and we talk about, I suppose, the misogyny of, or the, <laughs> the sleaziness of Freddy. Can, they had to go straight in with the racism, with having the um, Japanese um, family in the back of the cab, and he's talking about sushi and pretty much saying, why would you eat raw fish? And I was just like, oh, of course. But apparently 1984 was a very racist year for film, so I wasn't surprised. Yeah, yeah. Again, it's like, hey, yet that doesn't work anymore. Um, and, and yeah, so like, you know, he's going across running stoplights, screeching around corners and yelling at everybody else that they're the bad drivers while these, this Japanese family is being thrown around in the backseat of the cab and apparently enjoying it. I, I'm not too sure. <laughs> well, he, uh, ma- he managed to make them change from going to a sushi bar to the rhinestone um, establishment, so he did something wrong. Oh, to a wrong. cowboy bar. A cowboy bar. Sorry, I must yes. get around. That was the term used. But <laughs> yeah, I know one of those. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but we mentioned the the um the, the awful talent that gets coming up, but uh, the the terrible tractor death scene when we see the sorry the the lyrics for that song. We've got yeah. the, the, the guy come on and pretty much just sing about how his his wife got run over by a tractor or something like that. Yeah, and she audience... was in it like a, her wedding gown, but she had to go plow the field and she got caught in the tractor. And they're all just the crowd's just laughing and he just he's just is going. It really happened to me, guys. And, oh, <laughs> again, like... again, I must be thinking. Gosh, Dolly probably wrote that too. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> well, that's when it started to when when we sort of found out, you know, before they they kibosh the amateur idea. I'm sorry, amateur talent quest idea that we were talking about. I was thinking, oh no, it's going to be production number after production number of them on the stage doing country songs because you know I'm not not saying I'm, I'm very indifferent about my I don't really know my thoughts on country music overall, but um, but yeah, I was thinking, oh look, I didn't want it to be this, so I was glad it sort of changed a bit. But again, I thought it was going to be more about the talent show than just a a random bet and literally going out to the streets and asking some homeless guy if they'll sing. And I'm like, oh, wouldn't you go and, I'm just thinking, possibly go and maybe audition a whole heap of people first? It just felt like a really weird way of them starting their bet. Oh, Dolly did say that she could turn, uh, she could take anyone and turn them into a better singer than what the boss was was bringing up to the stage. (laughs) And And they took that literally, yeah. yeah. And, I mean... So Sly's reckless taxi driving, uh, he, he basically admits that he crashes the um, crashes the cab because he was checking out Dolly's uh, attributes, shall we say? Uh, and yeah, yeah. And but this is where it gets us to the part where I, I, I'm, I'm just thinking, what an odd teaming, you know. And I think it, this is probably the first time we see them in the same shot. And I, I must admit, it was quite surreal seeing them together alongside, especially when. They immediately well, pretty much convince him to um, be turned into the cowboy and they take him to that bar and he starts flirting with her. I don't know what their age difference was at the time, but I, I could feel one. <laughs> yeah, I, I really don't want to think too much about that, <laughs> considering where things end up going. Uh, oh, but, yes. But she she basically ends up buying uh, Sylvester Stallone, basically, because um, the, the boss said that um, if she wins the bet, then you know he's going to cover all the expenses. And because he got sacked for crashing his taxi, um, he uh, Dolly says that you know he'll be able to get the the repairs paid for if he does this. And they end up seeing seeing the boss who uh, again and another scene that I think kind of has strange relevance today. Uh, they go visit the boss at his home. Which is in Trump Tower. Oh yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. just like yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I am noticing those shots come up a lot when I'm watching eighties um, and nineties films now. So yeah, it's it's definitely got a different connotation. Yeah, <laughs> um, and um, and that's when we find out that that Sylvester decides that instead of just having his taxi fixed, he he wants to have his own cab company. 
uh, if he wins, which is kind of like a bit of an escalation that just comes from nowhere. Yeah, exactly. But look, one thing I did appreciate about it, in movies like this, it's usually that the they find out that there's a wager going on at the end and the other person you know, slaps the other person because they were falling for them. But at least the cards are on the table pretty much from the outset. Oh, hang on, except for the <laughs> the bit about having sex with her, which we find out later with um, Freddie. That's part of the bet. But, you know, you know, he seems pretty cool with being bought, essentially. Like, nothing's hidden too much. <laughs> very, very true. And, and they certainly don't hide the double entendres as he walks out and invites Dolly to come back to his place to, and I'm quoting here, check out his huge organ. <laughs> but he doesn't just do the gag once. He keeps it going, and I think I think they're next to a hot dog van, or how appropriate, but they're next to the, and the fender, and then guy behind even turns and smiles. and <laughs> Gives and him then, a thumbs up. Yeah. Oh, God. And then I think, I can't remember the exact line Dolly says, but something about, you know, um, music should be the only thing coming, I hope music's the only thing coming out of that organ, and I'm like, that just took it too far. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> like, we, we got it. <laughs> We got it the first time, and one of those situations where, why is it still going? Exactly. Because there is really a a basic plot line that they're trying to fill out. That's basically why it's still going. And I I think, um, and also the lack of chemistry between them, and I think, I don't know if it's around this part, but... It doesn't take long before the hillbilly jokes and put downs, you know. And I think he even like this is slight. Um, called sorry, Nick. I think his character is calling yeah, yeah, um yeah. Jake, which I was confused about. I think they even, I even heard later that her name was Jacob. I don't know. Yeah, was uh, I confused? I, don't know. I was. Yeah. I wasn't mishearing that. <laughs> no, no. Uh, Dolly's character's name was Jake. Okay, that confused me. But hey, another Blues Brothers reference there. Wink, wink. <laughs> but um, but um, yeah, and, the, and it doesn't take him long to call her a bimbo, which I thought was not that I was expecting it to happen at all. But um, yeah, it, they don't sort of hold back on things like that. So no, 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 it was a hillbilly bimbo. Oh yeah, of course. <laughs> and they yeah they they fly thick and fast. But maybe they were trying to distract us from the fact that ah, uh-huh, Sylvester Stallone lives above a funeral home because we find out that his um. Dad's a whatever you call them, a funeral director. Yes, that's it. <laughs> but of course, when when Sly uh, or um, I should use the character's name. Yeah. Should die when Nick demonstrates his uh, proficiency on the organ, like he starts playing it fairly normally, and and what he's the what is is not like even this basic organ playing is not convincing when they show his fingers on the keys. Uh, before he just obviously does start playing it genuinely because it just is random notes with him singing Tutti Frutti over the top and, ho oh, ho, wouldn't you know it? A funeral's going on at the same time. Oh, God. And the, But it's like even if you did have a room above a funeral place, like the, we, we see that window that looks down into the actual, you know, the, the service, wouldn't you have a window on it or something? <laughs> and I think his dad comes up and says, oh, don't you know you're only allowed to do it after, I can't remember if he said you can only play after hours or in business. I thought he said business hours, to be honest. Yeah. So I think after business hours. Yeah, after business, business hours, that's hours, it. Yeah. But, um, yeah, and I must admit, it was quite surreal, actually, just seeing that shot of Sylvester Stallone playing an organ, singing Tutti Frutti in this movie. I'm just already going, God, you've had a career change. <laughs> it was just not what I was expecting. But but as we sort of find, like, I, I did notice when we were in his unit, that you, not unit, sorry, in his apartment, that we were seeing, you know, a few Elvis posters and memorabilia around. So, yeah... When he came out with Tutti Frutti, I thought, oh, that this is going to be a running thing, that he's a bit of an Elvis fan. Yeah, well, considering Tutti Frutti wasn't even Elvis. Well, yeah, exactly. Anyway. <laughs> but he did it in his style. But <laughs> He sure did. And then we sort of move into this, the dinner scene where we, um, you know, where Dolly pretty much approaches his parents and says that she's going to take, um, take Nick to um, Tennessee with her. Yeah, yeah, during the family movie where... We get to see his dad being a sleaze with <laughs> I, Dolly. Is every guy, every, like, is every guy in this movie sleazy? That's what I was wondering at this point. Is like, I don't think I saw a single guy who wasn't sleazy or obnoxious in some way to this point. Yeah. You guys going, oh, and it's really? like, okay, fair enough, a vehicle for Dolly Parton, but don't have to worship her into, to that sleazy stage. But yeah, it was quite strange. But um, and um. I, I just love hearing the mum go, I don't want you to go and be a cowboy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Yes, you can't learn anymore. It's like, you know, could this Italian family be any more stereotypical? Oh, I know. It reminded me a lot of that. There's those scenes out of Saturday Night Fever when um, John Travolta's sitting around the dinner table with his Italian family in very similar sort of situations. And always a lot of food. She's like, what did Dolly say? Oh, do you guys eat like this every night? <laughs> but then she gets up and leaves and says, okay, you're coming with me, Nick. And he's probably saying, oh, I need to sat down to eat. <laughs> We've got to leave. Yeah, yeah. I don't think he actually eats anything. There's all this <laughs> food being piled up on the table. Uh, and we get to go to the country town that could not be any more stereotypical. Oh, I know. But, but I was actually thinking, that, you know, was this sort of... Dolly would have felt very much at home with having it more about... It was almost like it was supposed to showcase her lifestyle or where she came from and her background in Tennessee. But as you said, riddled with so many um, stereotypes. That, um, yeah, even she probably would have cringed at some of those. Yeah, yeah. So they're, they're, they're driving... It's, it's looks, it looks like one of the towns in the... Uh, in like the old westerns, there's sheep being driven down the main street. There's a couple of guys chewing tobacco and whittling wood, and Dolly appears to know everyone's name. <laughs> and uh, but what I love is considering she's you know she's taken him under his wing, and, and this is um, Sylvester Stallone, and, and brought him to Tennessee. You think she would have said to him, maybe you don't need to wear the <laughs> the suede boots and the the big sunglasses and all this I don't know he was just he definitely looks like fish out of water straight away and and I think it was like they were trying to remind us the whole way through that this guy is yeah the fish out of water and, I, and the more I think about it when I originally was going into this movie thinking it was going to be the other way around I, I actually think it worked better having it this way rather than than Dolly trying to find her way around New York City as a country girl so I don't know the ball was kind of you know her court and she could shine I don't know with her sort of country mentality and her acting so yeah, her country know-how. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, I, th- I think uh, they established that that Sylvester Stallone had his uh, had his own style, shall we say? Because he just wears these ridiculous shirts. I think at one point he's wearing like a a t-shirt with a skeleton on it uh, in a in a country bar, mind you, with everyone else dressed up like cowboys. Pretty much, it's like. Yeah, radio. It's uh, let's just really just wedge in this whole uh, this whole this guy is different as hard as we can. Oh, definitely. And and like I, especially when you got the guys that you said with the tobacco spitting the tobacco, and they're like really slow going. He seems a bit slow witted, <laughs> dim witted, or something like that. <laughs> yeah, I, I think even the father says that. Like when the because uh, they get him to the homestead, and it's basically. Get him right up in the porch in front of everyone with a guitar. Does he just go, okay, now go sing? It's like you haven't given him any lessons yet. You've seen what he does uh, with the with the organ at the funeral home. He's been in this town for what forty five minutes, an hour, and you're just going, okay, now. St- Sing a country song. Yeah, I couldn't believe that either. I almost thought, oh, maybe we've had a lapse in time. And, he, you know, this is a few weeks later. Oh, no, it's them arriving at the house after having just arrived. Yeah, I thought it was quite strange. And it's like maybe their mentality was, you know, this is supposed to be kind of a sounding board to have this audience there. What was it? The Wild Possum Band or something? Yeah. Something really, um, yeah, really stereotypical. But, um, yeah, I thought it was quite strange. But it was a funny gag, maybe the first couple, but having all the animals running away every time you... Oh, see. Yes. And then I think yeah. the dog comes back because he's thinking, oh, it's, oh, he's getting a bit better now, and then runs off again. But I, I think probably I liked the bit when the, yeah, the dog covered its ears and rolled on its back. But that, again, was one of those gags that, okay, we've seen every farm animal react. Okay, we get the idea. Yeah, so, yeah, well, we've seen them all react when he sings his his first song, which I don't even remember what it is. God, and then we, we get to see it again when he decides, when they ask him to do something a bit more country. So... He sings Old MacDonald. <laughs> but what I find but he, is- does, he doesn't hold back, though. That's one thing you got to say about Sylvester Stallone to this movie. Uh, he, he really goes for it. Oh, definitely. He's trying. And there was a few times when I thought, I wonder if his voice was dubbed. And I'm like, no, they would have actually got someone that could sing a lot better, I think. But, um, yeah, he definitely was um, was lapping it up. And I think that works a lot in that in those scenes where he is the fish out of water because, yeah, he just seemed so out of place. But, but what I was quite surprised about, I know they wanted him to embrace the whole... Um, cowboy lifestyle and, and become a cowboy and, and, and well, essentially perform this thing, I was I was thinking, wouldn't you spend your entire time teaching him how to sing rather than wood chopping? 
I know we I know we wanted to be shown all these different aspects of, of you know Dolly's life. I mean um, Jake's life, but I just thought it was a bit strange how <laughs> it had to all come down to things like that. Yeah, well, if they don't. Well, I mean, because I want to make him more country so you can sing country. But if they weren't doing that, we wouldn't have had the comical country mon- montage where you know he's chopping wood. Uh, he steps in horse poo. Oh, it was hilarious. Uh, they have him have him riding a calf and just go, you know, oh, this is so, so uh, funny. Uh, well, well, this is part, I'd, I'd probably thought this earlier, but this is probably the part where I started to go, oh, there's still probably an hour to go. Okay, unless she teaches him for a lot longer. <laughs> I was very surprised about where this is going. And, and I think the fact that, I may be jumping ahead, but the fact that he has that fight with um, with Jake and ends up leaving that one night and going to what I've, I've got written here, Bob's Country Bunker, because you know exactly what I mean. I think it was yep. called Cut and Slice. That was the name of, name of the band. Like and that was the, that was the bar he dared to wear a skeleton shirt. And I think a few nights later wore a pink shirt. And I'm like, oh, you might not. <laughs> that might not go over well here. <laughs> but, but, um, yeah, but of course, when he does go to the bar... Who's the first person he gets friendly with? The guy mentioned in ominous tones earlier in the movie, uh, the ex-boyfriend of uh, of Jake. Um, oh, his name Bar- I've got Bar- Barnett, Barnett, Bar- Kell Barnett or something like it, that. Yeah, Barnett. but I think because yeah, I do remember them mentioning earlier. But had they mentioned him in front of Sylvester? I think they had, hadn't they? So the name was. I, I, I think it was more of a, a side mention, um, but yeah, of course, you know. The, when when the singer of this cut and slice whatever his country <laughs> band comes down and oh god he was annoying oh I know I think, why why is anyone being friendly with this guy I would just go hey hi bye it's one of those people that you know yeah would slide up next to you in a chair and you know when you'd move a little bit he'd keep sliding more and I started to think oh maybe this is going to go away where he's I don't know he's like trying to pick him up or something like that but obviously he didn't end up becoming <laughs> that kind of thing but yeah it was again I don't know they were trying to make it a funny situation but no he actually did remind me a lot of um, Charles Napier from <laughs> Blues Brothers actually because <laughs> I think I'm um, yeah that's right he does wear the um yeah the country and western outfits at one stage <laughs> so it reminded me a lot of that but um yeah and I think this is sort of where we find out that whatever he pretty much spends the whole night with oh that sounds doesn't sound the best but he spends most of the night drunk with um, Barnett and, I suppose, starts teaching him some of the country ways. And, and Dolly doesn't really like it, the fact that it seems to become then a battle of the sexes with him, sort of anything he teaches him, he picks up on, and whereas she spends hours teaching him how to walk down the, pu- the porch and he can't do it, even though he yeah. can't even do it by the end of the movie anyway. <laughs> very, very true. But I did like like the the following morning after his, his night of drinking beer with Barnett, he just basically wakes up in the duck pond Thinking, oh, that's cute. I like ducks. This is cute. You like? He, he <laughs> yeah, has no rec- recollection. But I just love how Dolly yeah. just walks out and goes, "Where you been all night?" Just kind of, and then continues like it was just such a normal thing. Yeah, but, you know, doesn't doesn't really bat an eyelid, and it's like that was actually. I, I, I did find that scene kind of cute. It's so like you know, yeah, I'm just gonna hang here with my friends. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> actually, talking about cute scenes, I actually appreciated the next scene when just just that moment having Dolly just sitting on the bed singing for a little bit. It was just sort of. I don't know if it was just something that I we kind of needed at that point in the movie. I don't know. I just kind of brought everything down to a kind of a nice level for a little bit. I think considering in that scene just before he'd actually referred to her as baby Hitler. <laughs> I'm like, you didn't go there, did you? <laughs> he, he he did go there. I think what happened there was they realised that they'd had a bit too long without Dolly Parton singing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> because they probably realised that that was going to be one of the bigger draw cards for people to want to see this movie. Um, <laughs> Not having Sylvester Stallone ro- rolling around in mud drunk, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and having Barnett be really annoying, but, you know, also being able to teach him his, the country ways better than Dolly. Because <laughs> Dolly's no fun! <laughs> oh, that's right. And, uh, but... um. I was going to say, yeah, I think, I'm not, I'm not even sure where it goes from here, but I, I do know that he then goes out on a date with her and it pretty much becomes that whole bar fight that pretty much she ends up standing up for him. That's what I was saying earlier about how Dolly doesn't hold back in this movie. She's always the strong one. <laughs> she, it even gets to a point, I think, where Sylvester Stallone says, you know, are you giving me a sissy complex? <laughs> yep, yep. Oh, 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 God, when they turn up at the bar and Barnett's there and she's wearing that extremely low-cut dress and just going... 
Wow, that's that's a lot of cleavage, <laughs> and you've you've had her fending off all these sleazy people. Then you've, uh, I mean, then there's that outfit, and of course, of course, Sylvester Stallone just. He's not making eye contact with Dolly at any point during the entire scene. It's just absolutely no, no, no way that uh, it's kind of the start of their romance, but it's just like no, he's just slobbering all over her her ample bosoms. There's no there's no chemistry here unless it's testosterone. And, and then, then the- she goes and and uh, punches down the the ex boyfriend anyway. So even that doesn't really do much, I think, to to help uh, take the attention away from her. Oh, definitely not. And it seems like in a lot of cases she seems to be, well, just I suppose the way it's filmed too, she seems to be a lot of, the only woman in a lot of the um, scenes, a lot of the establishments anyway, or the other ones are always are barely seen, I don't know, because it's supposed to be all about her. Hence the reason they all want to cut in and dance with her, which is why the fight begins. But at least it sets up that kind of, I, I thought, oh, this is going to be a bit more of a plot change. You know, they've set up the whole fact that Barnett and his, I've got his group of thugs, his, his two friends, I can't remember what their names were, Luke I don't and think something. it really matters, yeah. Yeah, so it kind of set up that whole um, subplot then of him, you know, because I think the following night they then get um, Nick to actually perform at the cut and slice to do a, you know, I think that's where he, I don't know if you've done, have I missed the, I haven't missed Frankenstein, have I? <laughs> uh, no, he does Drinkenstein um, the... on on the day that he wakes up with the ducks. Ah, oh, that's right. Yes, so but before yeah. they go to the bar. Yep, that's right. So, um, but um, yeah, so he then performs, and I thought, yeah, this is going to be an interesting sort of subplot because you've got the, the the Barnett and his two thugs in the audience watching, and I thought, okay, this will end up being a plot development, just but it doesn't really become one. It's more just a chance for him to to win them over before he goes back to New York. Yeah, yeah, but uh, I mean. Yeah, he he warms up the crowd by making a few jokes at the expense of Barnett, and then there's a hell of a lot of yee whoring, <laughs> um, and they do a duet. And the way I, I mean, seriously, the way that he kept leaning into into Jake, I thought that he was going to like fall on top of her or something <laughs> at some point, because he was just like giving her no personal space. He was leaning right in, and she was leaning back. Uh, I mean, there's there there was no. I did not really feel any chemistry between these two. Oh, definitely. And, not. and they had these awkward romantic scenes uh, leading up to this, and then there's the actual. Um, you know, where they have singing lessons, um, <laughs> and, 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 you know, they end up being implied that they end up sleeping together, but it's like, there is no chemistry between these two. Honestly, he just appears to be yeah, sleazing on her like everybody else. <laughs> exactly. And, and I, you know, and I think, um, I was going to say, yeah, the fact that he constantly worries about his masculinity and her standing up for I, yeah, it's like they're in two different two different movies. And but I do appreciate when she comes in in those songs when it becomes a duet because it's almost like she's saving it from it just becoming a Sylvester Stallone number. Which you know there, there did seem to be a few of them towards the end of the movie. Yeah, I mean, I, I do. I mean, I got to give him some credit for the fact that he was singing his own stuff, and and it was fine. Mm. Um, I, I mean. You said you're you're undecided about country music. I am decided about country music. There's about two songs that I like, and the rest are hmm. um, <laughs> so so the 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 uh, country songs I like didn't really feature in this movie all that much. Let's put it, let's put it that way. Yeah. Um, uh, I've lost my train of thought now. I went down <laughs> the road of thinking, okay, I like that country song. I like that country song. <laughs> I've lost my train of thought too. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. Uh, but that's right, yeah, yeah. So he was singing, you know, was fine. And then until she came in and the energy went up and he started disrespecting her personal space and they were meant to be having chemistry. There was even like a little quick kiss at some point. Yeah. And, it was... and it's just like, that was, that was uh, apparently awkward, even though Dolly's acting like she was all excited about it. <laughs> Well, I even just found that scene when they uh, when he comes back into her room and she's playing the guitar, a different one from the one I mentioned earlier. And um, yeah, he kisses and they kiss, and I think she does say to him, um, 
oh, I want to test out everything else or something like, you know, <laughs> obviously innuendo and it's just the typical scene of him, you know, the shot you see in so many movies where he turns out the lamp and then they just lean over and it goes all dark and I'm like, oh, this is giving images I don't necessarily want, especially knowing the chemistry that they lack. Yeah, it's just like... They put that plot line in. I'm, I'm sure Sylvester Stallone made sure that plot line was in, considering he made extensive changes to the screenplay, as we know. Um, and and uh, I think aside from a comical thing where uh, Jake's dad tries to give him a, uh, a ridiculous-looking country suit. Oh, that's right. Um, it was ridiculous looking too, but he doesn't want to offend them by not wearing them, in the, I think, in the first bit, you know, when we first see it. But then I think he tries to, yeah, give it back to him and he says, oh, I've never wanted this anyway. I'm going to tend it outside and burn it. <laughs> Something <laughs> well, like that. You, so, so you've been trying to give it away for years and now you're going to burn it. <laughs> that's... I... Don't yeah, know what to I make don't get that. that. That was again yeah. one of those scenes where they had to stop and do that, and I thought this is filler. You know, that had to have that scene where he takes him to the cupboard to show him the suit and try and give it back. You're like, oh, how are we supposed to? Find? I don't know. Was that a distraction? I don't know. Fleshing it out a bit more, I think. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I mean, it, I mean, it almost cuts like straight from that, and then they're back in New York, and he's uh, singing a song for his family in this big party situation. And it doesn't. It, it just does, which doesn't starts. It's like okay, that was awfully quick. Yeah, exactly. And they've all they all herald him as this big star already when he's only just arrived back. I don't know. I just think his parents would have still been a bit more skeptical. <laughs> but they're, they're all like, you know, considering when he left, they're like, I don't want you to be a cowboy. And then he comes back, they're like, Oh, he's doing well. Actually, no, I do remember the part when um, Dolly does say um, when they start having a bit of an argument, and she says, "You're not going to be a singer," and you and the mums just take the cab, take the cab. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I mean. That, that thing from from Dolly Part is like the the night before he's meant to go in front of the stage and and they'd heard that that the the um the boss had been making sure he was getting the rowdiest crowd of hard to please hecklers he could find and Dolly just goes straight up to him and says well you're not a singer I thought, what are you doing <laughs> talk about do you want to lose what are you doing to this poor guy you've been working on him and bringing him up you slept with him and now everything he's learnt and gone through and put up you're basically just going none of that matters because you're an artist singer but then but it has to wait and tell him in front of the whole <laughs> his whole family and friends that are there and just killing the entire mood but then but then of course it comes out again to oh, it comes out the whole part about the bet where she has to sleep with freddie and that just escalates it even more. And I'm like, love, you've got no chance of winning now. He's going to be so annoyed with you. And I think it was around this part where she goes, the bet's off. I'm going to go and talk to Freddie. Or something. I don't know if it was around that part. But uh, I thought, I don't think it's that easy just because you've given up. Yeah. Well, we have the, we have the little, uh, the, the sad song from her. Oh, that's um, right. That's another. She's just sitting, sitting alone on the stage. Just strumming her guitar, singing this little sad song, and one of the the waitresses of the bar comes up, and they have a little heart to heart, and that's when she decides to uh, to try to get the bet cancelled. And you're thinking, yeah, that's not going to go your way, especially when you go meet Fu at his <laughs> Trump Tower apartment, and he's wearing like a kimono, <laughs> and he's got a remote control love nest. That's like. Yeah, can can any more jokes happen? Oh, there, there's the click of the button to dim the lights, click of the button to start the music, click of the button to open the bedroom and start the revolving doors. <laughs> oh, what's that click of the button do? Oh, it locks the front door. Who'd have thought that was going to happen? <laughs> oh, but then you've got um, on the other side of the coin, you've got um, Nick waiting at the at the rhinestone bar, you know, dressed in his rather Elvis esque jumpsuit. <laughs> That yeah. he's um, going to be performing in, and um, and that's when I'm thinking, you know, I've got, you know, when those aspects of the plot become so obvious. Oh, he's going to work out a way to go and rescue her from this guy, and it's all going to, and he's going to come back in time just to do the talent show. And yeah, um, that's well, at, pretty much... <laughs> at least at least they they did give him the thing of uh, seeing the horse and just going, no, no way, no way. Well, I think he does it like three times though yeah, before I... he inevitably gets on the horse. <laughs> <laughs> and rise right into the uh, right into the reception area of Trump Tower. All the guards are saying, "No, you can't do that." And he just goes, 
I'm going up to see Felix Hugo. And they go, oh, okay then. <laughs> what? And they're like, but there's a horse in our foyer or whatever it was. He's, but... going, to, yeah, he's going to see Felix. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> but okay. it was, I did appreciate that too because, you know, we were, I know, I think we only, I, I think we mainly only see him on the calf. Do we see him get taught horse riding as well? Anyway, you'd assume that that had happened as well. So it was good to see him putting some of those things that he'd learnt out in the country to use. So, yeah, I did appreciate that kind of plot yeah. point. But, um, <laughs> but I don't think he had much of a plan. It was pretty much just straight upstairs from the horse and ramming into the door a million times. And I think he, I think because at the moment that, um, Freddie ends up opening the door and him crash and, um, that's when Sylvester Sloan crashes through. I think he has that mindset that he's actually managed to do that himself. I don't know. We'll let him think that. Maybe we'll it might be good that. for his sissy complex that he apparently has. <laughs> but yeah, just just as the doors open, you hear Dolly say something. You hear the thumping sound, and and uh, the the boss comes reeling out through the just open doorway. As and you cut back to to Dolly shaking it, like you know, giving a fist a shake as if she's just <laughs> punched him out and. Yeah, I think that's where the, the sissy complex um, comment comes <laughs> Came in. Because I was meant to do that. I was meant to save you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm think, I'm, I think it's good they kept it that way. It kept Dolly yeah. tough and it means she wasn't going wasn't gonna to bend or change for this guy. <laughs> or maybe and she then, does. And then, <laughs> yeah, and then she says, let's go. And he goes, that's my line. Why? Because I've got the horse. I mean, <laughs> that's the thing. Like, when this movie was funny, it was funny. It just was not funny very often. Oh, I know. You'd appreciate little <laughs> bits like that too. And I, I'm, I almost half expected her to be riding the horse when they came round, actually. But it's good. To, actually, it was supposed to. It's, it shows that he um, he um, has learned how to do it and is taking control. But but um, yeah. So but I do like how it's the whole. You know, in in movies like this where there is a talent show at the end, there's always that rush to be there just in time. And I think she says she says to um, Freddie, "Yeah, I've got 35 minutes till midnight, and that's when the bet finishes." So. They're gonna go and give it a shot. <laughs> yeah, and and of course, when he first gets up there, he's all nervous and he's not good. He's just playing his guitar, and everyone's booing him. And oh no, he's going to fail. Of course, he's going to fail. And until he turns around and tells the tells the band who wasn't playing at all behind him to pick up the beat. Well, they weren't playing a big yeah, So they play anything they're picking at the beat and, and then, you know, he gets a crowd on their side with, you know, by doing the doing the everybody in the house go, yo <laughs> Which, It was it was so funny because I, I thought it was almost insulting to the crowd or, or or the whole concept in terms of, you know, he's supposed to be winning these this crowd over with that style of country western and he's just gone, Ah, stuff it, it's not working for me. I'm gonna inject my Tutti fruity type singing into this, so but you know hey it worked he managed to win the movie. Yeah, yeah, and he does his does his song and uh, he's you know he's doing fine. He's really going for it and apparently doing fine. In fact, I actually find it kind of scary as he gets more and more enthusiastic. Yeah, it was something uh, a bit embarrassing about the number for me, but anyway. Yeah, yeah, and and then and then Dolly steps in and joins in because we haven't had Dolly singing for five <laughs> minutes. So uh, she she does get to keep on singing and uh, have their little duet in their concert that can't even be stopped for the closing credits. Oh, which I was appreciative of. I thought, oh, good, I'm glad it's not going to be. We have to sit through a whole duet song and then... Another song for the credits. I'm glad it became the end credits. And they were only quite short too, which was good. Yeah, but he he, he brought it up even further during those credits. It's like, bring it down a notch, Sylvester. Oh. It's just, just bring it down a notch. You've made your point. <laughs> Don't go bigger. <laughs> oh, he was, you know, dressed like Gary Glitter. He looked like something stepped straight out of glam, you know. And it, there was something quite awkward and embarrassing, yeah, about him performing. Yeah, I just wanted him to rein it in a little bit more. But it seemed like, like we saw earlier on, he, he sort of wanted to steal the limelight where he could. So he was trying very hard. Yeah, and it freezes frames on them having a kiss that still had no chemistry whatsoever. <laughs> you wonder how many audience was still was still there by the end of the movie. I could, yeah, I don't think this would have had even had chemistry in 1994 for them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, 
I believe we've got to the credits, Christian. Ooh, we've got to the end quickly. of Rhinestone. Oh my god! Wow. <laughs> uh, was there any other uh, any other things that you thought were worth mentioning about this movie? No, we've actually managed to cover most of them. My, my jaw is still on the ground about a few things, but yeah, it, it didn't push the boundaries as far as I was thinking. It wasn't as awful as I was thinking. But anyway, I don't want to give off my thoughts. That's m- most of what I have to say about the main movie. Fair enough. Well, I mean, you did pick this movie, so please just pause on your thoughts for a moment, (laughs) because I'm going first. (laughs) So, uh, look, one thing I noticed with this is this Stallone, I honestly think he was trying to reach Nick Cage levels of overperformance. He doesn't get there, but I do admire the determination. Um, the, the jokey dialogue, though, rarely hit the mark. Most of these jokes fell so, fell so flat that uh, they actually ended up making the stuff that was funny even funnier, I think, because you just relieve that you actually had something you can laugh at. Uh, I am not really a fan of country music. A couple of the songs were okay. Uh, I, I think that if I was more of a country music fan, that probably would be a factor for for um considering this as 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 a redeemable feature not for me though uh, there was no chemistry between the leads but to compare to everybody else in the movie they were the most convincing everybody else was either just a one character sleazeball or just a a background person who didn't really get to do much acting at all so much sleaze uh, <laughs> Surprisingly, I wasn't expecting it. This this got into that borderline territory that really is kind of tricky. Uh, there, but at the end of the day, there was a bit too much going against it, and by the end of it, Dolly Parton's voice was hurting my head a bit. Head a bit. <laughs> it's just a bit too high and shrill <laughs> for a sustained experience when you're watching a movie. So at the end of the day, it came close, but it's not redeemable. Wow. I echoed a lot of your thoughts, too, and uh, I'm actually a bit up in the air at the moment, too, Trevor, so it's interesting to hear your side of it. So, But um, now, I, I felt this film, like, you know, I'm a bit of a Dolly Parton fan. I always feel she injects a fun style and her own unique sort of character into this and, you know, didn't hold back in this respect. And, and the good thing about it was, in considering how sleazy and misogynistic or, you know, most of the pretty much cast were, or the male cast were, it was good to see her sort of keep her own as a strong character. Not not be the one that had to sit behind while Sylvester Stallone saved the day. Well, he did save the day, but more as a Gary Glitter type character. <laughs> In costume, I mean. Um, yes, yes. And, um, yeah, it was, and it was a good chance. I felt very much it was a vehicle for Dolly, especially to show off sort of the, the snapshot of Tennessee or, you know, sort of her background. And, and it worked... And it works sort of showing those stereotypes, even though they were quite um, in your face. Now, the whole time I did believe exactly what you said. There was, you know, a real lack of chemistry. I almost can call it awkward between them. I think that sort of is, is a key word, I think. But but one thing I noticed with the way the plot was being a real fish-out-of-water type film, it, you know, if you had picked someone that was say better suited to Dolly I don't know if it would have worked as well even you know like I think it needed to be someone totally opposite to her where we go oh and it's almost believable she's getting this what is it no hope a bum or whatever she should become a singer so in that respect I can understand why it could have worked but um yeah I do know what you mean they're on screen duets got a bit too much like I don't mind a bit of Dolly yeah as I said but um yeah it got to the point where near the end where it just became okay a song with Dolly included at the end and a, you know a duet so um, whew, have I got on my notes here, Said So, yeah, I'm very much on the on the fence like you were, Trevor. But um, after our chat tonight and, you know, just sort of having a bit of a think there, I'm going to have to say I didn't enjoy it enough to redeem it. So it would have to be an irredeemable movie. Oh, boy. Uh, like, not redeemable, but not far off. I yeah. mean, that's really what I'm getting uh, exactly. from our experience, which I was not expecting to tell you the truth at all. So... It was an. It was almost a nice surprise that it isn't as irredeemable as it could have been. Yes, I think that's the way to say it. I think we ne- we almost need a new scoring system for those ones that are on the cusp. But yeah, I just thought it wasn't fun enough for me to want to go back for more and and yeah, and want to redeem it. I think, but it's very much on the cusp. Yeah, yeah. Now uh, I do have another opinion here, quite an interesting one. Now, don't judge me for this. Um, my my youngest was with me while I was watching this movie, mainly because he wanted to read his book 
in the air conditioning. Uh, but he did notice that the main actor in this, Sylvester Stallone, was also the guy that played the toy maker, the bad guy in Spy Kids 3. So his comment to me this morning was that he was better as the toy maker in Spy Kids 3, <laughs> which is, in my opinion, by far the worst of the Spy Kids movies. <laughs> so there you go. There's a little extra opinion for you about the performance of Stallone. <laughs> that gives us a bit of a comparison. So interesting. <laughs> so if you are aware of the toy maker in that movie... Okay, he's he's worse in this, according to to the expert on on that. We may not have been able to redeem this movie, but as with all these, it does have its fans, and we do like finishing on a high point. So I've gone back and I found another review, which is titled, Finally Priced Right on DVD. Hmm. Have been waiting for this movie to be reasonably priced. I love this whole funny movie. I'm a big fan of Dolly Parton and Sylvester Stallone, so of course I loved Rhinestone. The songs are great, the dialogue funny, and the whole plot is a good one. I think the fact that the dogs howl when Sylvester Stallone sings is part of the charm of the whole movie. If Stallone could sing, there wouldn't have been a challenging bet. If you're looking for the best movie in the world, this isn't it. But if you're looking for a good, funny movie, Rhinestone is the one. Five stars at the right price. <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. They're really clutching at straws, aren't they, when they're pretty much saying <laughs> the only, the, they love this movie because they got it fairly cheap. <laughs> anyway, oh, well, there's, there's fans for everything. <laughs> Absolutely. So that brings Rhinestone to an end. So I Ooh. guess we need to think about what we're going to watch next time. Oh, yes, I'm interested. Now, I just want to say that it, it, this might be a bit hard to believe, but I am not following a theme here. Uh, yes, this is a nice 90s movie, that's been my last choice, <laughs> and it's also back to a location that we know pretty well. I picked this one because there are a lot of comic book movies coming our way, uh, so I think it's a good time that we check out one of the early pioneers of the genre, and it's completely coincidental that most of it was filmed at Movie World in Queensland, Australia. I uh, do remember there being a lot of hype around this movie that did not translate to box office success, and uh, ni- neither did the uh, prospect of seeing Billy Zane in a purple bodysuit. <laughs> so we are watching The Phantom from 1996. Oh, wow. I've never seen it, and it, I do yeah, I do remember it sort of having the fanfare about it being made at, at Movie World on the Gold Coast. So interesting. I'm willing to give it a go. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Now, if you want to check it out before our next podcast, it can be rented or purchased through the Microsoft Store or Google Play in Australia. Uh, I'm sure there's other places out there. I'll leave that entirely up to up to you guys. Funny thing, I actually did see this one at the movies. <laughs> oh, there you I go. can't remember too much about it, but uh, I was one of the ones who was caught up in the hype um, and, and gave it its uh, not so contributed to its not so successful box office. <laughs> hey, at least it, you know, hey, you get to look back at it now with with redeeming features eyes. So <laughs> certainly do, certainly do. And uh, speaking of looking well not so much looking back more looking forward i understand christian that there's a few awesome awesome things coming our way from uh, christian fletcher events ah definitely well we've got the infamous rocky horror picture show with cards for sorrow floor show returning to chanel theater on the 23rd of march featuring um two of your <coughs> rufus project hosts we won't we'll um, let you work that out which <laughs> two could that be yes I'll, I'll leave that up if you feel like <laughs> message in the comments if you think you can work it out <laughs> um and um we'll be launching our 80s film program at Metro Arts, which is everything from Footloose to Flashdance, um, Nightmare on Elm Street, um, and we're doing a lot of horror things like Rosemary's Baby, and future things down the track that um, I can let out is we're doing movies like Barbarella, Clerks, um, Office Space, Tank Girl, all sorts of things. Actually, I thought Tank Girl was going to be the movie you'd recommend today when you said a 90s <laughs> comic book. Um, and yeah, so plenty, too many dimensions. So head to christianfletcher.com or Christian Fletcher Events on Facebook for more information. 
Fantastic, absolutely, and uh, and from from uh, my side, of we we are still trying to get more stuff out on the Rufus Project YouTube channel. I would certainly recommend checking that out. Uh, of course, you can also follow the Rufus Project on Facebook or Twitter for updates as we go. I'd probably suggest Facebook over Twitter. Uh, now, if you want to get in touch with us, you can very easily. You can. Uh, leave comments in this uh, very the podcast description down below if you found this on our homepage, which is rufusproject.com. Uh, you can leave comments on Facebook or Twitter, or you can send us an email to podcast at rufusproject.com. We also always love to hear what your thoughts are on the movies that we check out. And of course, if you have any suggestions, we would love to hear them. I've just realized that uh, we were, what, four, three, four episodes in? And this is the first time I've given out the contact details this season. Woo, professionalism! <laughs> I didn't even notice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> so, on that very professional note... <laughs> Yeah, uh, I think it's time that we wrap this up. We did not manage to redeem Rhinestone from 1984, but we'll be back next time to see what we can do for The Phantom from 1996. So uh, until then, enjoy watching whatever you enjoy watching, and we will catch you later. Just take a look around. Darkness rules the Earth. In a dangerous world. Governments crumble. Chaos reigns. In a treacherous time. There is opportunity in chaos. Evil is a fact. We shall succeed where they have failed. Drax is on a quest for a supernatural power. They know far too much. And courage. Stop them. You're the only one who can. Is a phantom. Somebody I already killed. There are some who say he is only a myth. Soon they will discover the Phantom is real. But we want to know what the redeeming features. Boy? Oh boy. Christian and Trevor on the case. Watching movies from all over the place. I'm the beast and bad, but we want to know what that fun to be had. Boy? Oh boy. Redeeming features.